Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally, your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part-time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. Hello, Justice Shelton Mosley. Hey, thanks for having me on here. I'm uh, excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here on the Balanced, Beautiful, Abundant show. And we are going to tell our audience a little bit about you. You are quite an impressive overachiever, the best of the best in everything you do. So I'm really excited <laughs> to get into this interview. Yeah. So Justice is Harvard class of 2019 grad who became one of the school's greatest kick returners and wide receivers ever. He continued his football career at Vanderbilt before playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Hello, Super Bowl <laughs> team this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. <laughs> Harvard to Kansas City Chiefs. And now he currently works in investment banking for the number one firm, Goldman yeah. Sachs. <laughs> So you are someone that I met in a class. We were actually in CircuitWorks, and the owner of CircuitWorks has also been on the podcast, Rafael Varela. But we were doing that exercise where you sit down and you hold up the wall. And I was yeah. just like, you know, wanting to make small talk so I didn't feel the pain in my quads. And then you drop like Kansas City Chiefs and Harvard. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> did the exercise go by very quickly. I was like, you've got to be on my show. So I'm so excited to have you on the Balanced, Beautiful, Abundant show. So let's get right into your story. So tell me, when you were growing up, what did you want to be? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when actually when I was growing up, and still kind of today, I wanted to be a professional bass fisherman. 
Um, so I, yeah, I, I did. I remember telling my fourth grade teacher, you know, like you would have those, you know, every Friday you'd have a test. And so like on the, one of the last questions on the test to see your, you know, test out your writing skills, they'd ask you a question. And one of the questions was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And a typical answer is like doctor, lawyer, firefighter, you know, all the mainstream answers. And I wrote down professional bath fisherman because that's something that I always wanted to be, but, uh, I actually didn't do well on that exam. Um, because I wrote that down, I uh, kind of thought I was, uh, uh, you know, taking a jab at him or, you know, t- not taking this test seriously. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to be in. Still to this day, I would love to be a professional bass fisherman on like a bass fishing tournament tour. Have you ever competed or tried to be a professional bass fisherman? No, I've, I've had a bunch of under, other extracurriculars, kind of like you named off a little bit, that have kind of kept me from doing that. But I am starting to slowly get back into it, um, and uh, I'm hoping to uh, get that opportunity soon to be in a tournament sometime. Awesome. So you grew up in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your high school. How did you decide you wanted to go to Harvard? Was it your idea? I'll tell you, I decided to go to Princeton because mm-hmm. of two things. I used to watch a show called Family Ties. And my okay. character, played by Michael J. Fox, his name was the character's name was Alex P. Keaton. He was obsessed with getting into Princeton, and I was so I was a little bit curious. Mm-hmm. And then when Tom Cruise slid across the living room floor and did that crazy dance and risky business when he got into Princeton, mm-hmm. I, I got to go there. No one else in my family had ever mentioned it, but I went yeah. to go after that. So tell me, how did you decide on Harvard? Yeah, I don't have a story like that, unfortunately. I was I was expecting that you would say the academic sold you, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, for me, intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so that, the academic portion really sold me a lot. And when I came out of high school, um, contrary to probably belief, I was pretty highly recruited and had offers to go to you know most of the Pac-12 schools on full scholarship and was rated pretty high in state as a football player. Um, but I was kind of like the one of the first ones to take that leap of faith to go to an Ivy League school and, and play football. And I think, again, it goes back to the academic portion, which is so important, which you can't, you know, you can't really put a price tag on, you know, further down the road post-football career. And then also the football aspect too, like Harvard has had in the past and, you know, currently has like a great structure for to kind of, you know, push players into the NFL. Um, and so that's, that was kind of me is the, the football portion, academic portion just really tied in well. Um, and then the chance to be in Boston too, uh, which is just a new city for me, especially from being from Sacramento. I thought it was really cool. I didn't realize yeah. that Harvard pushed people into the NFL. I, I wouldn't think of a lot of, Harvard. yeah, not a people, not a lot of people realize that actually Princeton has done probably a better job as a late, had a Princeton teammate back with the chiefs and, uh, you know, know a couple of Princeton guys, in the NFL, um, just kind of through the Ivy League network. But, yeah, no, Harvard has um, pushed a lot of different players into the NFL, uh, which is you know, hard to believe sometimes. <laughs> it is really hard to believe. That, that's yeah. amazing. So did you always think you would be, like, in finance? I was looking at your uh, LinkedIn <laughs> resume, and even in high school you were doing a lot of internships and – kind of had your hand in the financial world. Was that always your backup plan if it didn't work out at the NFL? Uh, a, a little bit. I didn't, I, I wasn't always like big on finance. I think I always loved like money I, and I always loved numbers. 
Um, so that was the organic attraction there. But once I got to college and I studied econ and I got a, got put into the finance realm, I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. Like every decision that you make within a company, you know, has some tie to, you know, what you can do financially. Like you can't make decisions without taking it in, you know, the financial considerations at least. Um, and so I, that being the backbone, like kind of interests me. Right. And it's a driver of a company and it doesn't, doesn't matter where you are, whether, whether it's cities and States or, you know, whether it's a sports team or uh, a company like Apple or Google, like, you know, the financial aspect is, is the foundation and, and the backbone of the company. So that interests me. And, uh, you know, I've continued to, uh, you know, work in finance and uh, that attraction there has, has kept me in it. So yeah. what is your motivation? Like everybody has like a why, like yeah. who's driving you, right? You got into Harvard, then played NFL football on one of the hottest teams. And now you're working for the top financial invest, uh, investment banking firm. So what, what's driving you? Are you trying to be rich? Are you trying to like make <laughs> your mom proud? I saw the picture of you and her with the uh, Harvard diploma. Like what, what is your motivation? Yeah. Why? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, you know, definitely the make my mom proud is, is, is one of them. Um, but I, I think it's just the, the opportunity, like once in a lifetime opportunity is, I mean, every day is really a once in a lifetime situation for me at least. So I think, uh, just making the most, out of every day like trying to stretch myself as much as possible to see what can be done um you know i, I guess i don't really have like a you know a, a wise statement anymore i used to have a wise statement um but now it's most mostly just like you know let me let me just try to do the best and everything that i can do and i i don't know you know if that's the why but i just you know try to try to be the best in everything that i can do and that's kind of how i look at it, every situation what was your old wise statement if you remember it Ooh, we'd have to look back. I just remember shooting a video on my why, like what's your why statement in my sophomore year of high school. I, I think, I think it was because like my, like, and I, it's still a part of me today, but I, if I recall, it's like, I wanted to basically like the opportunities that ancestors I didn't have, like didn't have and like the people, you know, behind me didn't have. I want to make sure that I will take advantage of the opportunities I have because I know that's the same thing that they would do. And so like, they did, did a lot of stuff to, to help me be here. So, you know, I guess that, that part is still there too. Um, you know, but I think my why is kind of broadened and maybe become a bit more, more obscure. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So you got injured. You're going to be like, mm -hmm. you really researched me. You got injured <clears throat> less than halfway through the fourth season at Harvard. And this made you ineligible uh, or eligible to be a graduate transfer. So that meant that you could be a graduate student at Vanderbilt and play undergrad football. Is that the case? Yes. That yes. is so cool. So you could complete your four season of college football at Vanderbilt. Now, mm -hmm. also, you got cut um, from the NFL, like on the last day or something. You made it to the yes. day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those are two seeming setbacks, right? So a big part of being successful is turning your failures into wins and mm. learning from failure and not being scared of failure. So what can you tell our listeners about turning seeming setbacks into wins? Yeah, I, I guess it's, uh, it's really tough. You know, it's, it's, and especially when we look at it in hindsight, you know, it's like, maybe that was something small, but really in the moment, it's like such a big, 
big, huge deal. Um, and I say that probably like to preface it with the fact that you just got to look at things in a bigger picture. Right. And I, and when you look at it in a bigger picture and look like two, three down, months down the road, it's like, um, you know, what did I learn from that situation that just occurred? Um, I'm a firm believer in making a ton of mistakes. Like I wouldn't be the person I am today without making as many mistakes as I've done, whether that be on the football field, personal life, or, you know, any, any, any type of aspect or arena that I've been or professional too. Um, so I, I'm all about making mistakes and I don't know if that's a terrible statement, but I'm not about making the same mistake twice. That's what I'm not about. But as far as like making mistakes, I truly think you, you have to, like you have to have those scars um, and those wounds and they end up healing up and you know, just like any bone that breaks, it grows stronger. I think that's right. I hope that's not a myth, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on that. I love that because I teach my clients that mistakes are the stepping stones to success. Yeah. And if you don't make mistakes, you, you can't really figure out how to do it because you can read about how to do something in a book or even take a class. But the experiential learning is something that you can't put a price tag on. And whether you're exactly. in professional football or learning to trade stocks, like the learning yeah. is in the doing. And part of the learning process is making mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, you look at a little kid learning to walk, right? They keep falling and falling and falling. And mm. mom's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you fell three times today. You're never going to walk. Like, knows like that is part of the process of learning how to mm-hmm. the falling exactly exactly so that is really great mm-hmm. so i you know i talked about this a little bit i know you said you were your old why was to show like your family lineage that mm-hmm. you would be anything in america Mm-hmm. And in light of all the the new civil rights movement that was sparked by George Floyd's uh, murder and all the stuff that's going on right now with this uh, trial, there's a lot of talk right now of racism in America. So I yeah. want to get your opinion. How has it affected you? How can we make it better? You know, what what can people do to to end this this terrible scar in American history and just move forward. Yeah. What's your opinion on? I know that's a lot. It's a lot. To yeah, I'd have I'd have to unpack that a bit. Um, yeah. And and I I guess I have to say before you know whatever I say I, I can't speak on behalf of everyone. You know this is really you know this is kind of my my personal take on things that are going on right now. But it's it's troubling, right? When you think about it, um, you know it's been you know racism has been around you know for a very long time and it's it's funny when people say like you know where where did this come from or like you know how did this start happening we look at different situations and you know it's it's like how we talk in markets like everything's a bubble to a bubble economy like you know and then you have a housing bubble and then you have a, another type of um loan bubble and like it's a bubble to bubble and i think of that like with racism racism too with the one consistent thing being like institutionalized racism um but it's, it's a bubble to bubble. Like you might have like police brutality or back in you know, a certain time you had hangings and back in a certain time, you know, you have, you know, job, you know, it's tougher to get a job with more buffers in place. So, you know, as far as how I think about it and, you know, how you can get it solved, you know, my take, it, you know, it started with economics. It has to, you know, come back to economics, right? Um, you know, the concept of race and color, um, you know, seeing someone as less, uh, you know, started with 
work and for free labor and essentially um, or gravitating towards that. So, you know, we had to kind of go back to that, you know, how do we fix that? We use the tools that got us there, which is, it was about economics. Um, so I guess that's a, a long winded answer just to say, uh, I hope people can love each other. Um, but there has to be uh, a higher power that kind of steps in to, to foster that growth and love um, and to be able to see both sides of every situation. Um, that's more on like the personal aspect of the people. Um, I think, you know, we're very divided and everything that we kind of do now, even with media or our friends kind of, you know, drive us deeper into our division. Um, and so that's been, you know, I think the, the toughest part too. Um, so with that, you know, that coupled with economics, I think we can grow closer, but it's, it's one of those things that I think it's, it's been so consistent. And I, I don't know if there's one like good answer to, to help remedy, um, everything that's kind of going on. So hope that helped, but <laughs> yeah. have you ever experienced like, uh, police officers being rude to you or like, um, I've, I've definitely been followed when there's probably unwarranted, um, you know, I, I always talk about the story back at Harvard and, and it's like, it's, it's daily stuff, right? You know, things that you wouldn't even notice if you're another color, but things that happen to you, you know, walking into a grocery store, and, you know, getting two or three eyes by the security guard or, you know, walking to your building at your home and the person in front of you stopping and letting you pass them. So, uh, they can see you like put in a code, um, you know, or that's that. And I guess there's, you know, more relationship stuff, but there's just, there's small examples where it's like, you wouldn't even think of being something that happens, but being in your, like knowing my own skin and, and, you know, talking with others and family and stuff, you've been told, you know, to watch out for these things or, you know, and, and that may be small sometimes, right? And there's places that you don't want to go to and at certain places at night, you know, trips that you can't really make. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of the experience there. So it's something that happens every day. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an everyday thing. Um, you know, not, things aren't, you know, as like exacerbated in every sense. Like, you know, you're not, you know, being, well, honestly, my roommate did get called something yesterday, but um, you're not like being blatantly um, you know, prejudiced against, you know, in every moment. But it's it's, it's a lot of small things that, that happen every day that you're just reminded of, like who you are at the end of the day, even in a setting that I am, I'm in. Like, I, you know, sometimes I, I definitely do this, but like I have to validate myself by like the school I went to or, right. you know, where I was at with the chief. So it's unfortunate that, that you have to do that. Um, but it's just kind of the way it is. And are yeah. people ever like, what you went to Harvard? Like, Oh yeah, yeah. I get that all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like we wear Harvard gear. It's like, Oh, where'd you get that? I was like, I, and I just tell them, I think some, I don't know. You probably have the same thing with Princeton. It's like, Oh, I went to school in New Jersey. It's like, no, I, I just, <laughs> that's I, what I, I said to you. When yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You said that to me. I was like, yeah, you can tell, like you can, <laughs> you can just tell people. Um, but it's like, again, it's like, Oh snap. Like you're not, it's almost like they separate you at that, at, at that point from everyone else. So, 
So let's say you're like in an elevator with, you know, a white woman and she like grabs her purse closer to her or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. <laughs> how do you not like, how do you stay like peaceful and loving and spiritual and not get like annoyed or like angry from like that kind of condescending well, behavior? Um, I think <laughs> that that's kind of twofold. One, I think, uh, you're probably asking the right person because not everyone can be that way. Um, but also on the same token, I think uh, it definitely does like foster like anger for, for at least for me, I can't speak for everybody else. You know, it's just like, dude, like, come on. Or, or the best one is like the airplane one. I, I feel like the best one is like you, you walk into the airplane and um, you know, like you sit down and like, so like you said, like it's everyone like grabs your bag, like your phone, like puts everything away. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take anything. Like don't, you don't have to worry. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you just, I, I guess some people too, and this is part of like seeing you know other people in their own shoes and like what they've been through. Like they just don't know any better. Like they don't, you know, they haven't experienced enough people, or maybe they experienced the wrong people. So you just have to have that mentality of like, if I was in their shoes, like you know, depending on what they've gone through, you know, they, they might not know any better. I think a good situation is what the, uh, the bachelor situation with Matt James and Rachel. And, and now she just didn't, she said she didn't know any better about the plantation party. So. Oh, I'm, I don't watch the bachelor. So. Oh, I'm, well, that would have been a good reference. On that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I like a quote from one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Michael Beckwith, and he, he said that compassion is having understanding for people who don't understand. Mm, yeah, that, I love that. But I think, um, you know, to what extent, though, can you have, you know, enough compassion for someone who doesn't understand? I think now it's getting, it's getting harder for, you know, me to, like, see, like, or basically live out that quote because, you know, there has to be some type of understanding and learning that has to happen, you know, at this yeah. point, you know, cause I, I think everything's, I mean, not everything's in their hands. Some people just don't have the resources and environment, but for the most part, you know, things are in everyone's hands to understand people more. Um, at least uh, they're making them available. Um, so the whole world, you know, I feel like it yeah. shifted because racism has been a worldwide phenomenon and people from like Europe and the whole world, you know, protested the George Floyd, you know, murder. Right. And uh, I think the whole world is waking up. There's certain parts of America that are resisting it and resisting it. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to shift, but it's kind of like. When in a in a horror movie, when the when the monster, the killer, like you think they're dead, and then they raise up from the bathtub and they like try to do a lot more killing. It's kind of like it's rearing its ugly head. Hopefully, God willing, for the last time, right? But uh, yeah, I feel like the movement is toward you know one world, one love, one people. I feel like that's the over overriding movement, and you know, let's let's just keep the love going. So yeah. that was really intense. I'm going to I'm going to end this podcast on a light note and thank you for going there for me. You're yeah, in incredible shape. I mean, you've been a college and a professional athlete and part of being balanced, beautiful and abundant is fitness, being in shape. 
So you're working crazy hours now at Goldman Sachs. How many hours are you working a week? Uh, just like standard. <laughs> uh, standard banking hours is pretty much what I work. <laughs> 40 hours or what? How many? 40 hours, yeah, probably about 40 hours. <laughs> 40 hours. So how do you incorporate fitness in your lifestyle? <laughs> um, I, just, I, I make a lot of time for it. Um, just like anything that's important to you, you carve out time for it. I'm really a true believer in that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I carve out as much time. And I think for me, it, it helps me mentally. Like I can sit in my desk and like feel comfortable and, and situated when I've worked out before. And I feel like sometimes when I haven't worked out, like I'm like, I mean, I'm a little antsy, um, you know, moving and maybe a little more uncomfortable. So it, it calms me down, helps me relax. And it shows me that I gave, I've given back to myself too. And I think a lot of times like I'm working, I'm working, I'm giving to the firm, I'm giving to the bank, I'm doing everything that I'm doing for the client, you know, and sometimes I miss out on the opportunity to give for myself. And so when I work out or, you know, when I eat a whole bunch of ice cream or, you know, whatever, well, Halo top, but um, I like I feel like, that's 300 calories a pint. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's <laughs> so good though. Ice cream. <laughs> but uh, but but in those moments, and like fishing too, or like running, just I, I'm giving back to myself, right? And so I, it's exhausting always giving to people, and so being able to focus on yourself and um, that growth, I think, is important. So. That's why, I, that's why I make it a importance to work out. So what time of day do you work out and how many times a week do you work out? So it depends because my, my, uh, my schedule is not as static. Um, and it, there's a lot of moving parts, but I uh, work out about five days a week and it can be early in the morning or like seven, seven and eight. Um, try to work out on the weekends um, just because of the weekends have a lot more time and flexibility, um, at least on Saturday. And, uh, yeah. So what are you doing these days for your workout as an ex NFL player being at that level? Of fitness, <laughs> and now you're just a civilian. Just, a, yeah, I'm, so, know, I'm a normal person. civilian. It's weird. Same shape. What do you do? I do. I actually do all the same workouts that I did when I played, uh, football. Um, I think I, and that's what I want to continue doing, uh, until, perpetuity like i don't know until i'm like 60 or something hopefully i can steal front squat then but yeah I, I still do all the same workouts i think it's uh again keeps me in the mindset of like being around football and like i don't want to go through like a full identity crisis so it, help, it helps me like you know i'm still like football shape still a football player right so i, I do all football workouts so what are they like what's a what's a typical oh workout? what's a typical workout uh yeah. i don't know if i have one on me but i you know do my my warm-up that i would typically do if i was you know with the chiefs or bandy or harvard and i usually go so i usually do about 10 exercises they're all paired um the middle tier so it goes like a1 a2 then b1 b2 b3 then c1 c2 c3 and then it'll be like you know two workouts after that or three, two to three workouts, like core or something like that. So it'd be like front squats paired with like RDL, you know, I move into tier B, you know, might mix in like a little arm, but mostly like step ups or, you know, dumbbell lunges and you move into C, which like works on smaller muscles. And um, then I kind of finish it out with like cosmetics. So it's like abs and by, you know, bicep curls and stuff like that. 
Cosmetics. I know everybody wants an eight pack and they want to have big guns, right? Yeah, especially here in LA. I feel like that's uh, you, you have to. If you don't, you're you're an outcast. <laughs> you gotta have those big guns. Suns out, guns out. So, exactly. <laughs> so would you consider it like hit training or weight more weightlifting, mm -hmm. calisthenics? Like, yeah. What would you consider it? What you're doing? Um. Yeah, mo mostly weightlifting. I think. Uh, all right, so one thing that I like to do too is, is change it up. So, you know, I'll probably do like weight training for the next three or four months, and then I'll get back into like some type of hit workout, just to keep you know things a little a little different and fresh. Um, just so I don't get used to like doing the same lifts and kind of keep shocking the body is what we would call it. Um, so that's that's kind of the category that I put it in. So you go back and forth between weight yeah. training and high. If you don't know what HIT training and you're listening, it's high intensity interval training. What mm -hmm. about what are you doing for flexibility or cardio? Uh, hop on the stairmaster. No, I used to, I actually got into a a big like running um, I don't know, mindset. So that that was my cardio. I just I would run. So again, like I said, like I'm always I don't know for me like I think anything's changing all the time. So, you know, when I'm weightlifting, I'm weightlifting. Like, that's what I'm doing. Probably be like three, four months. So I'm doing hit. Like, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm going to get my body in hit shape. Like, when I'm running, that's what I'm doing as well. Um, so, maybe a good balance would be doing all those during the week. But I kind of like just like focusing on like weightlifting and just one thing at a time. But, again, keeping it flexible throughout the calendar year. And what about stretching? How many minutes a day do you stretch? <sighs> I used to be the biggest stretcher. Um, it's been – hour and a half two hours working on flexibility band work I also have the time to do that it was my job but um i have not done that nearly as much and so that's the part lacking in my my structure for sure is stretching post-workout stretching um unless i do upper body then i'd also need to work on the pre-workout stretching too so yeah. you used to stretch for an hour and a half to two hours was that like by yourself or with a trainer that's incredible yeah, that'd be by myself. I had like a full like list of twenty different items that I'd do, and I just have that time too. Like, in your your body is your job at, at that point, and so like as healthy as your body like is going to be your performance. Like, if your body's not healthy, if you don't feel like if everything's not screwed right, like good luck out there, right? Um, yeah. So when it, when it was that important to me, I did that. I mean, it's still my job, but the stretching aspect has kind of slowly moved away um, just because of time. Right. So yeah. let's talk about your water intake. When you were a college and professional athlete, how much water were you drinking a day? I think 130-something ounces. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. They My uh, nutritionist would tell me like 130, 140 like, would be good. I don't know. I, I heard – Rumor that's supposed to be like each ounce is your body weight or something like that, but half I don't know. your body weight in ounces of water. That's what they say. Oh, it's half your body weight. Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm well. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good then. Um, <laughs> I think it's a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of water. Um, so yeah, but I was burning so much, so many calories and stuff. So I, I and yeah, so I need I need that that good water intake. And how many calories do you think you were intaking a day when you were playing NFL? Probably about 30, probably 3,100. 
Three, like, yeah, three thousand calories. Yeah, so that's not crazy. You want? It's not like, crazy. Yeah, I'm. A, you I'm, a, I'm a also not huge, right? Hey, I'm a receiver, so I'm like, I'm not huge. Like I got my game is being smaller, light, and fast, but like still keeping some, you know, muscle on just in case I get hit by some of the guys that are huge. Do you miss tackling people? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think back of how dirty that was, like just being, I'm just kidding, but kind of, but I don't, I don't miss tackling people. I don't, you know, miss being hit or any of that stuff. Um, You know, the day after a game or the day after practice would actually be really tough um, sometimes, especially in the physical practice. Yeah. So that, and it's funny, like I've, I feel old, which is scary. Like my body feels really old. Like I'm like slow to get up. I'm also a drama queen, but I'm like really slow to get up, like getting out of bed. Like I'm like, you know, I need to like stretch a little bit and like move around, like warm up properly. So I definitely think I aged my body a bit playing football for that long. Um, but I wouldn't change it for anything. I'll, I'll take the, the cracks in the knees and ankles for um, I'm speaking like I'm old, old, but I'm only 24. But uh, like half my age, I know. Yeah. Come on, you're not. It, it, but it really did age me, and the people don't like believe me. Like the the people closest to me understand how much my body is aged versus my mind. Uh, my body's aged a lot, a lot faster. You can make a comeback and play NFL. Look at Tom Brady. How old is he? Isn't he like 40? Yeah, he's like 40, but he also you know, spends like probably like $800,000 on his body. And uh, the guy, you know, the, the next 10 years of his life might be kind of rough when he exited the game of football. I think his, his, his wife like mentioned the fact that he has like what headaches or something like that all the time. Mm. Um, you know, I'm sure his body is, I, I couldn't even imagine. I literally could, don't want to, I, I, I wouldn't want to play that long. Story career, but I, I, imagine imagine playing for sixteen more years. Like wow, uh, yeah, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Well, yeah. you are someone who is so inspiring. You like shoot for the top, and you get it. Harvard University, Kansas City Chiefs, now Goldman Sachs. Like, what is your ultimate goal? Like, where do you want to where do you want to take your life? Are you trying to just be like filthy rich, like own a yacht, own a mansion in Beverly Hills, like all <laughs> peace? Like, what is your what is your overriding goal right now? Yeah, I, I really don't have one, so I'm gonna have to go back and get to the drawing board. I think uh, if I approach every day, uh, just in a, a great mindset and, and try to be the best at that. Uh, just interesting to see. I like the, um, you know, I like the, uh, the ability to not know what's going to happen essentially, you know, and I just, for me, just, just keep pushing and pushing. Um, I guess if I could, I, there's one goal in mind. I definitely want to like, at some point in my life, be a, a Spanish teacher. Um, by the way, yeah, no, I, I would love to speak teach. I would love to teach Spanish here or teach English in another country. Um, and, Mm, a little bit. I took, I took, I took like six years of Spanish and been to one Spanish speaking country and spent some time there. But um, yeah, if I can teach English in like a Latin American country or something, that'd be fun. So there you go. That's there's, there's one goal. Uh, Guatemala. Okay, I'm going to South America in three weeks. I'm so excited. Oh, okay. What uh, what country? 
I am leading a women's retreat in Medellin, Colombia. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It is. I'm like vaccinated and ready Mm -hmm. to travel, ready to see the world again. Yeah, you got to let me know how that goes for sure. I definitely will. Well, how can people stay in touch with you? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram or uh, at Justice Shelton Mosley. just my full name. Um, and then LinkedIn, um, if you'd like to make that professional connection. <laughs> but um, Or at Momentum Truck. That's uh, a, a pod that I co-host with uh, my buddy who plays quarterback at USC. And, um, you know, we just have a lot of fun, fun on the pod. So you host a podcast too? Uh, co-host. Yeah, I co-host. I mostly like just come on. He, you know, does everything and we just, you know, get to have fun and let loose. What's the podcast about? Mostly about sports, but, you know, we talk about a bunch of different things and we've been fortunate enough to have some great players that have been on there, mostly great college players. So I think the college perspective is pretty unique. Um, you know, it's something that more people can align with because not everyone makes it to the professional ranks. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been really fun. All right. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes, the podcast and your link again. And if you want a financial planner, who's an ex NFL player and a Harvard grad, Justin is your person, right? Are you taking customers for financial planning? <laughs> no, no, we, I, I, I'm in a, I'm in a different arena, but, um, oh. yeah, if, if you want, if, if you want any financial advice, I may be able to help. There's a few, few nuggets that I know that I can share. Okay. So you're more on the corporate side. You're not like helping. Yeah. People. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Well, thank you so much for being on the balanced, beautiful, abundant show. If you're listening to this, guys, go ahead and take a screenshot, tag me. I'll make sure I tag Justin on Instagram, share it with someone, put it on their wall, tag them. If you're listening to the podcast, we so appreciate you for listening. And we'd love it if you could give us a five-star review and share it with a friend. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another fabulous guest. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for having me. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant. It's cold and